This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever it will be, will be Wrexham are going to Wembley. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Rob Ryan Red Podcast. Just me this week and lots of exciting guests, um, but just me, no Rich. Rich is away sunning it up in Greece, I believe, with his Wrexham beach towel, and I'm sure he's having a fabulous time, but he's missing lots of action. He's missing He's missing the chance to talk through it all. I know he went to Barnet just before he, he jumped on a 3 or 4am plane, whatever it was for him, but yeah, just me. And what I will say, a little bit of a disclaimer, if you are the person who decided that this podcast wasn't for you, and the sole reason for that was because of me, I, I'm I'm deeply hurt, no, I'm only joking. If, if you are that person, I would probably think this one isn't for you, but for the rest of us, loads to get into today, and some brilliant guests as well. We can hear from Ollie Palmer and Paul Mullin from mine and Rich's trip to the Bamford Suite from the Stockport game. Those two are really interesting. Are you not entertained, as the title of this podcast says? Chat with Simon Davis, a BBC commentator. You might have heard him uh, commentating on our games throughout the years. He's often by Mickey Thomas or Wayne Phillips or Kevin Ratcliffe, loads of other people. He's brilliant, Simon. He talks us through that Paul Mullin goal to set us on our way against Stockport and, and what it's like following Wrexham. Through the th- through the good and the bad, and it, you know, and he, he also follows all the other Welsh teams. So really good insight from Simon. Then we can have a chat with Tommy Cowes, who you all know um, and love, I'm sure. And he will unpack the Barnet game, and you know, six of the best there, six goals, six different goal scorers. And look, you know, Wrexham win all their remaining games, 98 points there, a decade on from when we got 98 points, and we all know, yeah, we all know what happened there with the. Uh, disappointment that followed that. So, look, and then we'll round it out with a chat with Owen Davis, chief exec of Level Playing Field. That's really important, you know, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of focusing on the successes off the pitch as well. You know, in a week where we've had Ryan Reynolds pacing the touchline and, and running on to, to congratulate Paul Mullin, and we've had Jack Whitehall, comedian Jack Whitehall, saying he wants to play Paul Mullin in a movie, it's easy to get 
sucked in with what's going on on the pitch. But look, Wrexham have become the first Welsh club to be awarded autism-friendly status. And I know that means a great deal to the DSA and Kerry and lots of other people behind the scenes at the club. So a huge congratulations for myself. And I know Rich would echo that. So a huge congratulations from us. Owen is brilliant talking about Wrexham and the strides they're making for for inclusivity. But that is at the end of this podcast. Let's start then by just having a look. Wrexham, 12 games unbeaten, eight home wins in a row at the Kairas, Fortress Kairas. And look, won a game by six, won a league game, sorry, by six goals for the first time since beating Rotherham United back in 1995. And if to make some of you feel old, I'm sure, before I was even born. So, Things are looking pretty good. Look, well, they're not pretty good. They're looking absolutely incredible. Wrexham look like they don't know how to lose a game at the minute. We've got six different goal scorers. It's on for Mullin to, to catch Shamanga. Kabonga Shamanga obviously injured with that horrible injury, and we're wishing him all the best ahead of next season. But look, Mullin's right there, eighteen. He's got to get to twenty-four. There's plenty of games left to play. And I think he'll fancy it. You know, Mullin will, will almost definitely fancy it. Um, and so, yeah, so he's been the big star attraction, hasn't he? Two goals. Let's rewind then. Let's look at that Stockport one. We'll hear from Mullin and Palmer shortly. But, I mean, I don't know about you lot, but I, I've been in work showing all my colleagues that goal, the first one this is, showing my colleagues the goal from every different angle. There was some great footage that we put out on Twitter, at Rob Ryan Red, um, and email us as well at Rob, uh, Red at gmail.com. It would help if I could speak. Um, robryanred at gmail.com. And, yeah, the, the goal is just phenomenal. Ryan shared it a gazillion times. He shared it with Titanic music, and he's been tweeting it all over. And I know, and I'm sure, Rob McElhenney had incredible FOMO there for not being there. But Ryan has finally seen us win. Oh, what a moment for him. Flew over from New York and it was great for the players' families, actually. Speaking to a couple of those that they were able to go on the pitch afterwards, have a conversation with him. And, you know, the journalists that were there, Touchline, were saying that he, he was in awe of Ben Tozer and, and Luke Young and Christian Dibble and all these other players. So, yeah, what a, what an amazing day for everyone involved. And the finish, I've seen a lot about, you know, kind of our Wrexham... Uh, Wrexham milked it a bit too much, but it's an incredible goal in a, in a high stakes game, and I honestly believe that if if the shoe had been on the other foot, if Paddy Madden had chipped, uh, you know, if they'd have gone through on goal and Macklin hadn't made that challenge, and they'd have chipped Christian Dibble to win it in the ninety first minute with a similar goal, they would have had every right Stockport and their fans to 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 play that, you know over and over and over again in our faces it's an incredible strike and a goal worthy of worthy of going viral and I know that Mullen said on BBC Radio Wales that he had to put his phone into sleep mode just because it was going to use his words it was doing backflips so look you know he was the match winner Ollie Palmer got the man of the match award which caught me a little bit off guard I'll admit but both played you know very well but they felt that Christian Dibble was the man of the match and made some outstanding saves, particularly with his feet. David De Gea's David De Dibble, as Rich coined it in the game. So let's have a listen. Um, this was recorded in the Bamford Suite after the game. So there's a bit of bit of background noise, not the clearest of all, but as you will have seen by now, are you not entertained, Maximus, uh, Ollie Palmer? But there's some brilliant insight here. So without further ado, let me roll the clip. 
in the dressing room at the moment that will keep growing and you know you miss chances at all levels and you know especially at this level so you just got to keep plugging away and, and you know around the whole squad we know we've got goals so it's just about creating more opportunities and, and taking the chances when they're coming you know the, the defense and christian did was unbelievable today to allow us to to come to goal. So it's just a fantastic run performance. Yeah, well, you mentioned Dempsey had some second after after last week, and uh, you know proves what a squad you are. You know, and he's kept him in the side, kept the same side as last week. He's, we were great defensive last week, but we put a great show on there today, especially Dempsey as well. Kept it nil nil first half, and I think we were quite there first half. Thought a lot better second half, and their keepers made a couple of great saves. But we kept going, and this fellow next year is uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's a it's hard to come into a two when you're in plan and as a key player you don't really get many opportunities. So yeah, look, there was one or two mistakes, but that's the unfortunate position of his, you know, where he plays. You know, me and Moles, we make plenty of mistakes, you know. We do that week in, week out, and it doesn't cost games. And um unfortunately, you know, that happened last week. Um but Dibs has shown that not to count in again tonight, you know, the quality that he's got and it's just about sticking with a team like we you know Chesterfield disappointing first half, come out second half win the game tonight, disappointing first half, come out win the game, but we're we're playing good teams, we're playing top teams and um, you know they're, they're having the right go this season as well. So we just showed I think the quality that we got and you know the fitness levels where we're at as a, as a team and you know and again like I said keeping that clean sheet allowed Paul's fantastic finishes to you know, win the game instead of being an equaliser or, or consolation. So it's just a fantastic performance. I've got to mention that, you know, that uh, Wembley, you know, you two coming here, you know, we're expecting, everybody's expecting these fans, terrific fans again today. They're expecting you, you lads who are there to perform. And at the moment you're doing it. And uh, I was really pleased. I'm proud to play for Exit. Are you not too big? You know, it speaks volumes to me that they were so keen. And, and, and Palmer's done this on multiple occasions. You know, at way at Chesterfield, he spoke very highly about Max Kluwerth, who was phenomenal um, on against Barnett on Tuesday night, turned into sort of a prime Roberto Carlos. So he looked like, uh, what could we call him if he was Brazilian? Kluwerthinho? That seems a bit basic, doesn't it? But Max Kluwerthinho, Kluinho? Uh, let me know, at Rob Ryan Red, what you think if Max... Clueworth had a Brazilian name. What could we give him? Max Cluinho. I'm gonna I'm gonna mull that one over. Uh, no pun intended about mulling. Um, but yeah, Clueworth's been absolutely outstanding uh, of late. And and at the, the Chesterfield away game, Palmer was quick to say, "Look, this 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 young lad, this kid is outstanding." You know, I he couldn't eulogise him enough. And and you know, every fan now has got a huge. Um, He's kind of got such a high high opinion of of Clueworth and, and and well deserved. And if you listen to the Wayne Phillips podcast, you'll know that Wayne Phillips was saying that it's inevitable that clubs higher up the, the table, higher up the table, higher up the leagues, potentially championship, are looking at Max and thinking, 
what will it take to get him? And the hope would be that someone like Jordan would say to him, look, this is an amazing journey, Wrexham are on. You don't need to go. Your career will will blossom as it is. You can stay here, play every week. And look, you know, Harry Lennon is as brilliant as he was. Max has been phenomenal. I think it's a shoe-in for young player of the year. But it's all about, isn't it, at the minute? It's all about, it's inescapable. It's all about the the Mullen and Palmer show. They look like they're best mates already. I think Palmer's been here, what, nine or ten weeks maybe? Uh, and they just have hit it off. They drive into training together, carpool karaoke style. They're, they're just best mates. And I think it helps, you know, that they've immediately clicked. We had the difficulty with Mullen getting that ban, getting that red card within about four minutes against Maidenhead. And that was only, what, their second or third game together? So, you know, it never really got chance that the partnership to blossom. It might have even been the second game after Grimsby. So... You know, we have seen that blossom now. They've got a great combination. They they read each other's game really well. And the man behind the commentary that I will play in a second, it's a brilliant bit of commentary um, that I've played absolutely over and over along with the goal. It's a brilliant bit of commentary by a good friend of mine, Simon Davis of BBC Radio Wales. And yeah, Simon's got some great insight in terms of just following that goal. And you all know in, in the Aylstand where the commentators sit. It was a perfect view, really, of of seeing the the, the tackle from Macalinden, which I think is is phenomenal. I mean, it, it's, it's been praised to the high heavens and rightly so. Ball from Jordan's absolutely superb, and, and what Mullen does in terms of lifting it over the goalkeeper. And I think, as he says in in the clip, I'm I'm hoping that it, it made the edit and it was clear enough. But you know, he studied Ben Hinchcliffe, and it, it, Mullen is a guy that that doesn't go into games sort of half-arsed you know he's going into it knowing the opposition goalkeeper knowing their habits knowing what they sort of do and don't do and that sort of thing so he knew that he would get a chance after he missed that one where Kitching plays the ball back um unawares and, and sets him through and he, and he skews it wide with his right foot going for pure power he you know he he realized that he would have a chance that Hinchcliffe would again come off his line and he and to finish with his left foot, remember he's a right-footed player, so to finish with his left foot like that was absolutely incredible. So let's just play the clip from Simon and then we'll get into our chat with, with him because this clip is, if you don't get goosebumps as a Wrexham fan listening to this, I, I'm really not sure you fully bought into this season. Down the other end we go, it's Mullen, Mullen's through on goal, Mullen chips the keeper, he's done it, he's done it! Chips the keeper. This to finish it. He has finished it. Paul Mullins' magic sets Wrexham to Wembley, and Ryan Reynolds leads the celebrations. So there you go, Simon. Yeah, I mean it's just brilliant. I kind of really want to play. I'm going to play it one more time. Let's just play that commentary clip one more time. Down the other end we go. It's Mullen. Mullen's through on goal. Mullen chips the keeper. He's done it. He's done it. Again, Mullen to finish it, chips the keeper, this to finish it, he has finished it. Paul Mullen's magic sets Wrexham to Wembley and Ryan Reynolds leads the celebrations. Simon, you were there commentating at the weekend, we've all heard that commentary now in Wrexham circles. I mean, Wrexham's story is a, is, is a, is a bonkers one, isn't it? You know, you're following Newport, Cardiff, Swansea, but Wrexham's incredibly exciting among all those 
both teams. Yeah, it is astonishing, Nathan. And thank you very much for uh, inviting me on your podcast, by the way. Um, do you know, I said in commentary um, that the celebrations at the race course were like once-in-a-generation celebrations. And I know that they've been to Wembley a few times over the last decade or so, a few FA Trophy finals in that, of course. But I just felt that the celebrations were different this time around, that this was perhaps the start of... of better things to come um, under Ryan and, and Rob. Um, and of course, the fact that Paul Bullitt scored those two amazing goals what in injury time just put the icing on the cake. It just added to the drama, didn't it? But mm. just the whole buzz around the place. I mean, you know, you, you've followed Braxton for um, all your life, haven't you, Nathan? Mm. And that. I, I don't think there's been this much excitement. And there's a whole generation of Wrexham fans, let's not forget, who who have only seen them as a non-league club. I mean, I've always thought of Wrexham as a football league club. I think they've always had terrific crowds. The crowds have been even better um, this season, thanks to, to what's happened off the field. But there's a whole generation of fans who, who've never witnessed that sort of um, feel-good factor. And by that, I mean, I go, I was thinking of the Brian Flynn team that went to the... Uh, quarterfinals of the FA Cup, that talented team with Carl Connolly, Gary Bennett and all of those kind of guys. I think it's the first time since then, quite frankly, that we've seen this sort of excitement. And, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, if they can get out of the National League, which is obviously easier said than done, stop all running away with it at the moment. Um, but if they can get out, um, or, or at least get favourably placed in the playoffs, the way that the playoffs works in the National League, and then they can get out of that division, I think they can go straight through again. But I'm just excited to see where it ends up, really. You know, I think there were fears when they're initially, oh, well, what are these guys coming to Wrexham for? Is it, um, you know, is it going to be a bit of a circus? But I think PR-wise, and I actually think PR-wise they've been terrific, but actually witnessing Ryan Reynolds in the flesh on Saturday, celebrating the way that he did and mingling with the fans afterwards, um, I think he's. I think he has to be bit by the Wrexham bug. I know that's a corny thing to say, but I, I, I think there's a genuine enthusiasm there, and and of course it permeates throughout the racecourse ground. Then we're looking a little bit further, kind of up the pyramid. But if you look at, for example, Newport, the last time we got to a playoff final, Wrexham lose out to Newport in that game, and that still stings. You know, of, of these Wembley trips, getting to Wembley, that was one that people were talking about in, in the pubs afterwards. Do you think this Wrexham group that they've got now, with, with one or two more maybe, could really give it a go if they get up? You know, where do you think this squad ranks in terms of League Two football you've seen? Yeah, I think when you've got players like Paul Mullen, um, there's no reason at all why Wrexham can't go all the way through if they get up this season. Mm. I mean, he's done it at League Two level anyway, hasn't he, Paul Mullen, yeah. for Cape United? And uh, that's what made him such a good signing, you know, for Wrexham. But, um, you know, with a few more additions, and the financial might that they've now got behind themselves, which a lot of League Two clubs don't have, by the way. I don't think the jump from League Two to from National League to League Two is that great, by the way. But um, you know, if you look at a team like Sutton, they've had a decent season this season, haven't they? And uh, um, you know, there's everything to suggest. I just think there's an enthusiasm about Wrexham and a, a feel-good factor that can that could see them go all the way through. I mean, they've got the crowds, aren't they? I mean, Wrexham are a bigger club, in my view, than most in League Two, and many in League One as well. You know, Wrexham, you know, what are the average crowds this season, Nathan? Over 8,500. I mean, that is terrific, isn't it? You know, and they've always had good support, in fairness, um, in the National League. I know they've been down there a long time, but they've always been the best supported club down there, or one of them. Um, So with that sort of fan base as well, 
then I think the sky's the limit. I mean, it just must be so exciting. And I think, you know, it goes back to what we were saying before. They've been in that league too long now, haven't they? I was, when I first joined the BBC, I think it was in about, well, it was 2008 when they went down, wasn't it? So what's that, 14 years ago? Um, I think a lot of us at the time who were covering Wrexham games thought, well, we'll just bounce straight back up. And, of course, they had a few highs, didn't they? The likes of um, Dean Saunders came in, Andy Morell. And um, you thought, well, it won't be long before they're back in the EFL. And, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. But I think there's something different this time around. Yeah, I mean, we've been in press boxes up and down the country watching Wrexham, uh, you know, on, on far more modest budgets and, and players. But I think we can both accept it, and not on the level of Paul Mullin, Ollie Palmer you know, James Jones and others, these kind of like League One level talents. Being there on Saturday at that game, I mean, you, you obviously have been to great games as, as a commentator. You've done South Wales derbies and all sorts of, of big finals. What is it like just being a commentator at Wrexham and seeing Ryan Reynolds opposite you pacing like a, you know, like a manager <laughs> on the touchline? It, it is just, a bit, it's all very incredibly bonkers, but an amazing thing to, to be able to follow. You know, we call it work, don't we? Yeah. But it's an amazing yeah. thing for us to follow. And I love the racecourse ground as well. I think it's always had a terrific atmosphere. And actually, where you're placed in commentary, you're right in the mix of the Wrexham fans. So you do get that sense of um, uh, of the atmosphere there. You know, it's funny. I was actually at Marine early in the season uh, in the FA Cup, which you know, when you think back, gosh, they almost lost that game, Wrexham, did they away at Marine? But we were situated behind the goal. We were essentially in with the Wrexham fans at that time. Uh, luckily, I was with Mickey Thomas, so I, I wasn't going to go far wrong because everyone loves Mickey there, and uh, <laughs> we weren't going to encounter any trouble. But you know, I was looking around on that occasion, thinking, "Crikey, this is uh, this is great support." And um, you know, on an occasion like um, like last Saturday, just was was showed that even more. And of course, the week before that extraordinary game against Dover. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it'll be like at Wembley. You know, I think there'll be a big crowd will there. You know, Ryan and Rob will turn up as well. I hope they, you know, they do sort of get on the pitch or at least have some sort of walk around by the, the supporters because um, these are special times at the moment. And to cover them as a commentator is just a, just a privilege, really. I think uh, I was laughing. I was li- I listening back to some of my commentary from Saturday and I was far more coherent than I thought I would have been because uh, at the time, I think everyone was going a bit bonkers. And then I always, um, when I watch back the goals on YouTube, you know, because they always have um, Mark Griffiths' commentary, don't they, and Mark and the team. And they're massive Wrexham fans, obviously, aren't they? And, <laughs> and uh, I, you can, they're always sort of shrieking, aren't they, and, uh, you know, going over the top. And I love that. And I think... Um, you know, it's for people like them that I'm quite pleased with yeah. as well. You know, um, you know, people like Gary Parry at the club, you know, the club secretary who's Mr. Rexham, as far as I'm concerned. You know, play, uh, my good friend Wayne Phillips, who, um, a colleague of mine who's, of course, played for Rexham for, for many, many years. People who have been there through some really torrid times. And it wasn't too long ago, was it, Nathan, when they were, you know, down at the near the bottom of the blues of um, of uh, the National League and you know the genuine question was asked not by me because I always think that sure. that Wrexham would never be uh, 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 would never consider going to the Cymru Premier but the question was asked wasn't it when the the possibility of the of the Conference North was staring them in the face and I'm just glad that there's, there's been this upturn in fortunes yeah, and to kind of, you know, as you say, potential for part-time. We've seen Stockport, they went that way and, and have bounced back now. Torquay and you know, York. Others, yeah. Other examples, you know, countless. Um, you know, to look at it now, and I think that Torquay game where, where Rob and Ryan came, it was 
an amazing day, but muted in the fact that we didn't win the game and you know we draw yeah. draw like, you know, a, a Welsh midfielder ends up you know, Connor Lemonhead and ends up scoring the equaliser. A little bit of a feeling of emptiness because you really wanted them to cap that off with a win. I think Saturday, I know Rob wasn't there, but it just felt and the way that goal went in as well. You know, like you said, the position yeah. in the gantry, it almost played out in slow motion. You know, this is a goal that's been viewed nearly four million times. I mean, you know, in, in commentary when you're trying to describe it, it almost felt like it played out in slow motion. Yeah, and Ryan Reynolds he retweeted it with the um, the Titanic music, didn't he? With, uh, <laughs> which I thought was fitted quite well. Um, yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Loved the celebrations at the end with the um, you know Ryan sort of uh, um, addressing the supporters while they were shouting at him. There's only one Ryan Reynolds. And actually, uh, were you on the pitch afterwards, Nathan? Because no, was... no, I, I had to dash, but I, I saw great pictures of, of the kind of colleagues and stuff that were there. Yeah, and the families was... and everything. It was great. I mean, he wasn't given one-to-one interviews, which I think is understandable because they've sure. obviously they've got their own um, uh, documentary coming up, haven't they? Which will um, is it Netflix or Disney Plus? I'm not Disney, sure which yeah, one. Disney. It's exciting. It's I Disney think that'll Plus. be really exciting to see how it's put together and and, yeah. and you know on that time. I mean, you know, we're we're there in the trenches week to week, like a lot of people are. But I mean, Wrexham will go even more worldwide than they have already, won't they? With with something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the power of um, it just goes to show them the power of Ryan Reynolds possesses. I mean, he is a proper A-list movie star, isn't yeah. he? And that's what um, sort of blew my mind on the weekend, really, because he was he was so humble on the pitch when he was meeting with people. I mean, he was he was going up to you know, a long chat with Phil Parkinson, and he it, it, it seemed to me. I mean, I was eavesdropping somewhat. <laughs> Um, recording him when I can, and we did manage to get some uh, um, video on the website sure. of him saying about right. his, yeah, about his commute, you know, which was right. I thought yeah. was quite fascinating that he turned up for Wrexham within a day, and then uh, and then went back to New York, but he said he wouldn't have missed it for the world, yeah. and, and likewise with Wembley. But he was just so humble. But actually, when I was noticing when he was talking to Phil Parkinson and Paul Mullen, and um, I think Jordan Davis, he um, he displayed with a kind of a was it like a the FIFA, FIFA the FIFA card, yeah, team the FIFA the week profile card, yeah. Card, yeah. And what a player he is, by the way, Jordan Davis. But um, um, it, it seemed to me that he was clued up on what was going on. I, I, I think initially there was always the feeling that, and maybe still to the extent that Rob McElhenney was the driving force behind the original uh, takeover and that Ryan Reynolds sort of came along for the ride. But I think slowly, and certainly from what I witnessed on Saturday, he is on board fully now. And um, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I mean, I hope they can... I mean, Wembley... I mean, talk about the documentary, the Disney Plus. I mean, the the yeah. uh, Wembley final is a perfect um, uh, scene for it, isn't it? You oh, know, whether they go up or not, the uh, 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 you know, even if they can just win the FA Trophy. Obviously, we'd like to, uh, to see uh, to do a league and cup double, but yeah, I mean, it's just perfect for perfect fodder for the documentary, isn't it? What do you think then? What do you think? And I know you've seen them probably over the course of the season a good few times. Do you think they'll, they'll get it done now? Because there's been, you know, Wrexham have massively improved as the season's gone on. They're, they're peaking at the right time. And, you know, as much yeah. as Stockport feel that they can just reset reset the clock and, and go again in the league. It, it was a good marker, wasn't it? That that, that game at the weekend. It, it's Wrexham are saying, we're, we're still there. You know, there's people yeah. around the club that, that maybe they aren't giving up for the title, but they definitely feel like the teams to be in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I agree. And actually, I think... Um... The game against Halifax a few weeks ago, that was the first time that I'd seen them completely outplay a promotion rival. They'd had decent results before, but they completely 
um, dominated Halifax, didn't they? And they yeah. thoroughly deserved that victory. And likewise, on Saturday, I thought they played very well. It wasn't a classic game, you know, against Stockport. Sure. But they were very organised, and obviously they're the team to chase down. Whether they can chase them down, I mean, the gap is still quite considerable. I know they've got to play each other. I've actually got a game in hand of a Stockport. I've got the Weymouth game, and you know, we, look, yeah. there's, 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 a, there's a chance, albeit a slim one, but there's still a chance. There, there is still a chance. But the way that the playoffs work in, in the National League, I think it's really good, actually. I think they should use it in the in the Football League as well, that the higher you finish, the more favourable the playoff you get. So, yeah. when Braxton do finish second, which is a pretty strong possibility, they get a one-off game then to, to get to the, the playoff final. Yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, I, you know, I do fancy them. I think, and I, I have say, if they can get up this season, and even if they don't do it this season, I certainly feel they're capable of doing it next season. Um, whether that'll be under Phil Parkinson, that'll be an interesting one because he's on a rolling contract, isn't he, Phil? Yeah. Um, and I think um, I think he's coming to his own the last few weeks. I know there were a few doubters amongst the Wrexham supporters early on. You know, results perhaps weren't as forthcoming early on in the season, but they're on a cracking run at the moment. And um, I think he's he's found his. Is I mean he knows his first eleven, but he's found the spine of his team. And actually, he brought through youngsters. I tell you, the young lad Cloweth, I think, has done terrific, hasn't he? You know, at the back, I think he, you know, certainly wants for the future. So, you know, that's the other knock-on effect as well. You know, young players coming into the team. You know, um, there's, the future is bright, hopefully. There you go, then. Just an amazing day, and, and there's been a lot of those recently for Wrexham. Dover, just for the sheer drama, will unlikely be topped. And I'm very envious of people who were there for that one. I wasn't. One of the ones I wasn't able to get to. You know, Wealdstone away when Reesaw Johnson scores the last-minute winner. There's Halifax away. Chesterfield will be up there as a season highlight for a lot of people. You know, there's loads of ones, and, and more to come, you'd hope. You know, a Wembley date, May 22nd, we'll have over just over 30,000 tickets for that one. And who knows, we could have a, an unbelievable celebrity cast. Rob will be there, Ryan will be there. You'd hope that their families are there also. It'll just be a great day out. It'll be a brilliant day for a lot of people. And it's just you just don't feel like you want to miss any game at the minute. I'm making plans to try and get down to Weymouth on a Tuesday night. And, you know, I've already got my ticket for Woking, which is on the TV. There should be a good crowd there. Boreham Wood, Dagenham will be a scramble to get tickets. Even Stockport being moved to the Sunday that'll be another amazing occasion. And so this is what we wanted as Wrexham fans. If you just said, look, you can really ramp up that pressure now. You know, before we play, well, obviously we've played against Barnet, we've got Eastleigh, and then it goes into the game. Uh, then, then sorry, then Stockport play their game and it, the gap could be five points then. And, you know, Stockport going into a game, the last time they played, they were 11 points clear. And now there'll be there'll be five points if, if we go and beat Eastleigh before their game. So, Look, all we can do, Stockport are a brilliant team. I've seen a lot of hyperbole about their quality based on that FA Trophy performance. I thought they were brilliant. I thought Andy Cannon, when he was on, was one of the best players I've seen in that position at this level for a long time. I thought he played absolutely sublime football. And I know he came off, and I think that helped does massively. So, look, I'm not expecting a massive wobble from Stockport and um, for any Stockport fan that does listen to this I'm not sure many will but if they do I'm not expecting it all we can do is do our bit and keep winning and yeah and, and we did that on Tuesday night six goals 
Six of the best. And who better to unpack that with than the man who seemingly lost uh, his dance battle in the turf. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. I'll give him a little bit of stick for it. But if you haven't seen it, go and watch Tommy Kouse in a dance-off in the turf after we beat Stockport. And without further ado, let's unpack six of the best against Barnet with a Mr. Tommy Kouse. Tommy, then I gave you a big introduction before you came on about your dance-off in the turf. We've all seen it now, uh, more times than the mulling goal, I'm sure. Uh, joking aside, mate, uh, you were there, Barnet. Uh, that's the most recent game. Six of the best, six different scorers. We, we look unbeatable, don't we, mate? Yeah, just to address the dance-off with you, someone's done me dirty there. I've, uh, I, I haven't given recording rights to anyone in the turf, so I'm not happy about that. But um, no, it, it was absolutely brilliant. The, the Barnet game, obviously, a few days after after Stockport, Nathan. Um, oh, it, was, it was a great performance. I think I think it, it could possibly have been the most complete performance of the season, I think, albeit against really poor opposition. Um, but yeah, it was it was absolutely awesome. And um, you know, as soon as that first goal went in, it was it was only ever going to be uh, an absolute hammering. I think, to be honest, uh, uh, you know, he, he took off Palmer and Mullin, didn't he? Which you know is sensible management. But I think they were probably thinking we can probably get a couple more here. I, do, do you think Parky is is just playing the longer game now, especially when we're so comfortable in these games? Yeah, well, me and Rich, the leader, sitting next to each other, we were sort of saying, you know. We 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 take them off now, you know. Get Davis off. Get the big three off, as we call it. Like you know, and uh, and that's no disrespect to the other players, obviously. But um, but you know, yeah, I, I think it was the right decision. I think uh, it showed, didn't it, with uh, Toza? A bit of an injury scare with Toza. It looked a bit nasty at one point. Um, you know, there's there's that risk. Uh, challenges flying in, as we know, in the national league. So I think if if you can afford to take these players off at this stage of the season. Yeah, they'll probably be really unhappy, but once they've had two minutes to calm down, they'll be, you know, they'll completely understand. And uh, I think it was the right decision, Nathan. And look, you know, he didn't really have, he probably could have done a Sudoku in goal. He was that quiet for him. But, you know, after the, after the Stockport game, and we heard earlier in this podcast, Palmer and Moen talking up Christian Dibble and how he, he's, un, he's judged unfairly compared to outfield players because if he makes a mistake, it's a goal. If they miss a chance, as Moen did in that Stockport game before he scored, it, it gets brushed over. So, and, and I saw you tweet about Dibble as well. It, it was important he gets some credit after that Dover game where he was kind of unfairly, in a way, scrutinised, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that's the nature of football. Criticism's part and parcel. But yeah, I, th I think it was over the top. I think, you know, th this is a guy who's been out in the cold for a few months, uh, you know, hasn't. And, and, you know, as a goalkeeper, um, if you're not playing football, it, it's tough to sort of come in, especially we all know how good Rob Linton is. So, you know, I think it's difficult. It's difficult to get a top, top quality number two. And and I think, Dibs, I think on the whole, yeah, he's made mistakes over, over the years he's played for us. But I think on the whole, he's come in and he's done a decent job for us. So, so I was delighted for him. And he's an absolute top guy, by the way, as well. He's such a tough guy. I'm sure you've spoken to him, Nate. Well, he's such a such a good guy and good character. And, and, and I get the impression that all the lads love him as well. So they're willing him on to do well. And um, and yeah, I think uh, you know, it's it's great when he came in. Like you say, he didn't do much against Barnet, but I think he had a really, really solid game against Stockport, definitely. And last, I think the last time Rich had you on, it was 
after the Grimsby away game, obviously we lost that and we were debating, you know, has he got to scrap 3-5-2? In your first season covering it, what's it been like? You know, you, I, I, me and Rich have maybe been around the block a bit more, but we haven't had the job you've got beat reporting on, on Rex. So, I mean, you must be absolutely loving it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, really enjoy it. And, you know, it's a, it's a different angle to what I'm used to. Uh, you know, I had, um, had a bit of a period in COVID, sort of, uh, you know, slacking off the gaff and on Twitter yeah. and stuff like that. But now, joking aside, it's, it is good. And I'm just going back to what you said there about Parkinson and stuff. And, you know, uh, again, speak to Rich last night. And, you know, I said, I had my doubts about him early days. I, I thought after that Grimsby game, I thought the Stockport away game, I thought they were poor performances uh, and, and they, they weren't just individual poor performances. I, I don't think we particularly played well in, in, in most of the games, to be honest, before Christmas. But I am a firm believer as well. I think you've got to judge a manager when when he's got his players in. And, and you know, maybe in hindsight, I was, I was a bit, probably a bit harsh with Keats, I think, last year, some of my comments <laughs> and stuff like that. But, but just concentrating on them. On Parkinson, I, I think he's got his players in now. Judge him on that. And if we are judging on that, then, wow, what a job he's doing. Because since January, we've been absolutely flying, haven't we? I think we lost the Torquay. don't think we've, ever since the end of that window, I don't think we've lost another game, have we? We might have drawn one or two. Uh, results have been fantastic. And performances, they talk about the system and stuff. Mm. He's still sticking with that system. It's a very similar system to what he's used all season, but it's, it's you know, he's got his men how he wants to play. I think the Palmer-style striker was always absolutely crucial to how Parkinson wanted to play. Now we've got that. I think, uh, you know, we're looking really, really good. And I, I think a lot of the league will be uh, thinking, you know, if, if Wrexham aren't going to be in the playoffs, we really don't want to be playing Wrexham. Where do you stand if we were to put you in a in a fancy suit and put you in the aviation gin suite with the with the with the kind of decision making power of a Ryan Reynolds or without that'd be lethal I think for some of for some of the managers. But if we did do that, do you, uh, you had a chat with Tim on on one of the spaces one of the fearless lads um, recently about Parky's contract. I know it's like a a rolling contract. I'm not fully sure. You know, potentially probably just rolls over. But would you? Do you think giving him a new deal before the player starts is the right way to go, or just or just wait and see? You know, what, what do you think is probably the, the course of action you would think the best way to go? Well, you know, obviously I can't say uh, you know definitively, but no, just, no. just having little little sort of chats with with Packers and I, I, I know for a fact he wants to stay. Sure. He, he wants to stay on. Um, yeah, as you say, it's a rolling contract, I believe. I don't know the ins and outs of it. And, and no. you know, the club the club are quite con- confidential with it anyway. Um, if you're asking me, 100%, I think, um, mm. I think he stays next season. But um, I, I think, I personally think, this is just based on my hunch, I think sure. Phil Parkinson would be happy to get the season out of the way and then let's discuss a contract then. And I think that's the best way to do things. I don't think, I don't think the players, I don't think the players really need to know who's going to be in charge next year. No. Personally, I, I think I think there's so much to concentrate on here and now and so much to play for. Just concentrate on doing what you've got to do this season and then go on from there. But yeah, just to reiterate, Nathan, I think I think he's he's got to stay next season. I think mm. this second half of the season has proven that you know what what we thought when he came in, I think when he came in, I think we all thought, yeah, that's a pretty solid, pretty good appointment. And I think now he's starting to prove it. 
Um, he's obviously had a lot of help. I mean, James Jones has always been like a new signing since Tom yeah. O'Connor's come in, hasn't he? So, you know, Tom O'Connor, Tom O'Connor must be thinking, how the hell does he get back in? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. This team, that team that played again, I think it's unchanged in four games now. If those lads are fit, yeah, you know, we know Harry Lennon's out for the season. Yeah. Jake Idle hoped to get back, you know, into one of those bench roles, you'd think. But, poor, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to need to get into that squad. You're going to need an injury or something. With, you know, touch wood yeah. that we don't get any. But that squad now looks settled and, and looks like yeah. a, a, a league, a, a capable, a league winning team, mate. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think, um, I think it's proven since January, you know, uh, we've been neck and neck with Stockport on the. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's interesting what you said as well. You said squad. I, I actually think the squad is set in stone, not just the first 11. I think there's like, a, even on the bench now, you've got Maka who, who's coming on and, and performing for 25 minutes at the end of games. And, you know, it, it's great because these lads, they're, they're fresh, they're fresh legs coming on, but they're also, it's not like they're coming out of the cold. They're getting minutes. They're getting, you know, perhaps, perhaps not getting enough 90 minutes in, but, but they're not coming out of the cold. And um, oh, yeah, the, the quality in the squad is absolutely unbelievable. And to the point where I actually, I said, um, said to someone last night, I said, you know, I've, I've just remembered about Kwame Thomas. <laughs> I haven't seen anything or, you know, have, haven't heard anything of Kwame for, for a bit now. And um, yeah, I think that speaks volumes to the fact that a, a player with the quality he has, he's been brilliant for Exxon and, you know, he doesn't really get a look in anymore. And, yeah, brilliant. I, I'm really, really positive. And, uh, you know, and like I've said to you in the past on the spaces, just definitely being a positive Wrexham fan doesn't feel normal, does it? It feels It feels uncomfortable because it feels like we're, we're about to go over the top on a roller coaster. We know what's to come, or we feel like we know what's to come because we've had it before. And the fact that Wrexham could win every game now, finish on 98 points, a decade on from getting 98 points would be you know, ridiculous. And look, we, we don't want to count our count our eggs before they hatch, you know what I mean? We've got to got to go up and get there. Um I just just looking, at, I mean, uh, looking at that Barnet performance, it could have been more, mate. And and looking ahead to Eastley at the weekend now, that there isn't anybody in the league, is there really, where Wrexham would have any fear factor at all? No, no, none at all. And um, you know, going back to Saturday, I think uh, you know, everyone could see Stockport a good side, but they didn't, you know. They had those couple of couple of chances, good chances at the end of the first half. But aside from that little little spell they had at the end of the first half, I I didn't think to myself, oh well, you know, we've got our work cut out, sort of yeah, sort of thing. I always felt, especially when they missed those chances, I always felt we'd come out second half, and and I, I put that to to Parkinson as well. I said, you know, listen, it, it's great that you can perhaps play these top teams and perhaps be second best in that first half. But second half, we've got the strength of character to come out and, and to just go, right, here we go. It's our time now and get the three points like we did at Chesterfield as well. Um, you know, Chesterfield first half was was pretty tough viewing. Uh, but we came out and dominated second half. So I think the strength of character, I think there's quality, I think there's, there's all the ingredients we need, and not to name drop too much, but I had a chat on the phone with Mickey Thomas today, and, and he's absolutely buzzing. He's he's buzzing. He's really excited, and uh, and yeah, he's really uh, you know he's really positive about Wrexham, and you know uh, some of the phone calls in the past I've had with Mickey, we've both been like oh, bloody Wrexham. Yeah, Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Well, I mean, 
Yeah. Mickey was Mickey ended up commentating on the fifth goal because all the yeah. BBC Wales commentary crew were basically out of action. So, you know, lastly then, mate, and we can we can both get on with, with getting a bit of rest before the, the Eastleigh game. There's a lot of candidates, and I'm asking everyone that, that we speak to now between now and the awards when it gets given, but who for you, just personally for you, would, would you be giving that player of the season to? Because there's a lot of candidates, mate. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Yeah. Who, who, just who for you, do you think, would you want it to go to? I mean, the, the obvious, the obvious two for me are, uh, are Mullin and Davis. Uh, they're, they're, the, they're the big two, and I think they'd be the fan favourites. I would say for for the for the big awards. But um, for me, just just as the as the season progressed and he's got better and better, I feel. I think, um, I, I think, I think, I think Aaron Hayden. That's the guy I was going to throw in there. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, but I also think as well, and speaking to Aaron Aiden, um, a, a guy that slips under the radar is, is Ben Tozer, who, who has been, he, he really helps Hayden with the position. And Aaron Hayden said that himself. He's still a young player, learning his trade. Tozer with his experience, obviously long throws, we know that. His defending, just his, his character. I think he's been absolutely vital to us this season. Um, but Luke Young as well. He's got better as James Jones has had a brilliant second half. You can throw so many players out there. Rob Linton, but yeah. Can I name 11? <laughs> you, yeah, you, I see. You, you, you've realised what it's to be a beat reporter very fast. You name all the names. <laughs> I, I, I'm on to you. I see. I don't I see upset, you. I don't upset no. anyone. I'll tell, you what, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what then. You, you can maybe give me your thoughts on who I think. And I was very big. I was banging the drum for Aaron Hayden. But it's becoming nigh on impossible for me. Like I said, a lot of candidates, but but Jordan Davis is a player that you can see can go on to a significantly higher level. You know, we're talking about can he get in the Welsh <laughs> squad? At, at Division 5, you can't. I just don't think you can. You're not going to get the recognition. You're not going to get the quality of opposition. Can he, as he goes, look, Wrexham, you know, Wrexham would love to go through the ranks with Jordan Davis at the heart of the team and players that come and go around him. I mean, even if, he, even if you're not going to go out on a limb, I wouldn't expect to pick him, but you can say he's had a phenomenal season, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely tremendous. And, and um, you know, he's really kicked on from, from the second half of last season. I remember there was a few dissenting voices first half of last season saying, oh, you know, he's, the, he's not really... Well, you know, it was his first full season of play, playing proper men's football since he was since he was on loan at Bangor, you know, four years ago. So you can't judge him. But ever since then, I think... Over the past maybe 15 months, Jordan Davis has been absolutely top class and, and getting better all the time. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. you know, I, I've said it for a while and I have been banging that drum as you as you put it. I think I think he is he is good enough to get in that Welsh squad. For me, he's I, I look at guys like uh, uh, Johnny Williams, who has been a great servant for Wales over the years, but I think Jordan's at a better level than Johnny, Johnny Williams now. That's my personal opinion. Mm. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. He's playing conference football. We're still there. We still are where we are. I mean, albeit in, in a strange situation whereby we've probably got about 11, 12, maybe even 13 League One standard players in the team uh, or in the squad. But yeah, uh, long long story short, John Davis Wales every day. And Mullin as well. Get him in there. Why not? Loads. I've absolutely knocked out the park, I think, this week. I don't really want to kind of pat myself on the back too much in Rich's absence. But I've gone and got interviews galore all week. And I'll tell you what, we'll round out, as I promised, 
we'll round out with something that it means a great deal to me because one of my closest friends, uh, her brother is autistic and I know the difficulty, difficulties that they face going to live sport. I know the, the, the frustration and the difficulty with the noise and, you know, sensory elements like that. And I know that it's, it's, it makes such a difference, not to many of us. I know that to many of us, we go to matches and we're very grateful that we can go, you know, home away and change the scenery and, and get really amongst it. And it's totally fine. But to see Wrexham, you know, offer their audio descriptive commentary, which I know is a great service. We've had Alex on before about that in a previous episode and, and to see us really commit to the power chair football and, the quiet zone and, you know, all these other elements that we're trying to do, Kerry and the DSA and, and everyone else that's involved behind the scenes on, on, on these various sort of schemes and options for fans to make it as inclusive as possible. It's really important. And, you know, as much as I wanted to focus on the the, the commentary of Simon and, and, and kind of the analysis of Tommy and what we heard from Palmer and Mullin, it is also important to make sure that it, it's recognised off the pitch as well and I know that Ryan and Rob in their kind of mission statement and I and having had conversations with people behind the scenes it's very important for them that that we make strides off the pitch and I know you know we've had Fleur and Humphrey on and I think it might have been while well, we were kind of off mic there that, that we were saying that it, it that's the lasting impact if you can get fans that never come to games because they don't feel comfortable to feel comfortable to feel like the race course is a home that they can come to regularly and, and watch matches and enjoy themselves and, and get a bit of respite from day-to-day life then that is that's legacy right there that's that's incredible as much as you know going out and being able to buy the best players and, and going out to win matches you know that is really what a community club does so I grabbed a quick chat with Owen Davis who's very gracious with his time busy man uh, chief executive of level playing field and we have a quick chat about What's what what Wrexham are doing so well and why others can learn from them in the football pyramid. Okay, so then, as I mentioned, top of the show, Owen, Chief Executive at Level Playing Field. Now, it's important, you know, on this podcast, on this platform, to raise awareness of things Rex are doing off the pitch, and I'm not just involving Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Owen, it's great to have you on, and one of the things that struck me most, actually, over the weekend, when I finally got my voice back after the semi-final, was... The, the, the strides Wrexham are making, the first club in Wales to be given autism-friendly status. And we're in Autism accept, autism Awareness Week, Autism Acceptance Week. You, you could be able to correct me on that. It's an amazing achievement, isn't it, for the club? It's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I think, uh, you know, what, what's happening on the pitch at Wrexham and obviously behind the scenes is, is truly incredible. But, it's, um, but, but you know, it, what, what, what the team at Wrexham are doing, Kerry, and the, the Disability mm-hmm. Access Officer, they're absolutely fantastic. And obviously the Disabled Supporters Association do a lot of work in making the game more accessible, especially at national league level. Um, yeah, it, with Autism Acceptance Week um, and what they've been doing, uh, you know, not just now, but they've been doing it for a long time about being inclusive, about supporting fans and being more inclusive, is 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 is, is really a really positive thing that, that that should be celebrated and commended, especially during this poignant moment of Autism Acceptance Week. And and kind of. 
it, it's difficult, I think, for fans. You know, I've got friends who, one of my closest friends, her, her brother is, is autistic. I think it's just difficult for fans to maybe comprehend what it's like going to a football game and, and being a, and, you know, the benefits of being able to sit in a quiet zone or, or go into a quiet hub or, or whatever it may be. Can you maybe talk a bit more broadly about the difference it can make for clubs to, to offer these kind of services? Sure, I think, you know, when, when you look at it and with, with autism, there's an adage in, when, when, from autism is that once you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And it's probably true to life in, in, other, in other aspects as well. But, but, but what that you know, particularly means is that, that autism is a spectrum. So what, what is a barrier for one person may be an you know, even bigger barrier for another person. So we can't just have a one-size-fits-all approach to doing it. It's having a, a menu of options that support the person's access into coming to watching a live sport. Now, that might be by having a quiet zone. That might be using a different particular entrance or having the option of a sensory room or having ear defenders to build down noises. And and that's the really that's the that's the challenge around being able to to provide that that, that appropriate match day and something which which Wrexham have been working with the National Autistic Society and trying to be to develop and to be able to create this match day experience and 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 and, and be able to share awareness of this about what fans can do to contribute to, to this or you know to raise awareness of it is really important and you know from experiences I've had in the past is that so often that uh, families. And, and, and you know, individuals with autism will focus on what they can do and what they, and perhaps avoid what they can't do due to the, the sensory overload. So that might mean that they might avoid going to busy places or might avoid going to crowded, loud, you know, kind of unpredictable environments, such as going to watch live sports. But if we can look at a way to unlock that opportunity by providing these quiet zones. It, it means that a family can come together and watch life sport together. A father and a son, a daughter and a mother, daughter and a son can go and support their local team. And, that, and it brings another, another element that they can engage in the community. Um, so that's, that's the kind of, you know, in a, in a kind of a really quick way around it, that's mm-hmm. the kind of what, what it means. It allows a family to be a family, allows friends to be a friend, allows a community to come together. And how what the community looks like outside of the stadium is reflected inside the stadiums, and that's fundamental. And you know, Wrexham feel we believe we are a, a community club, and you think of other other schemes, audio descriptive commentary for mm-hmm. partially sighted fans. You know, yeah. Kerry, I know, is working incredibly hard with the power chair team. I know Rob and Ryan have been there helping those and spread the awareness on that. And, and the new cop stand that is, is in planning and is in development. There's a big campaign there to get more disabled platforms and disabled viewing platforms. In Wrexham in particular, then, I know, I know you're looking at it more broadly in your role, but Wrexham in particular, getting that status with autism, but just generally about the work they're doing, it, it must be pleasing to see a club on the rise like Rex are making such an effort, a conscious effort to, to make sure that no fan is excluded. No, I, I think you know we, we we did a podcast. I think it was just before Christmas, where the DSA and, and the audio descriptive commentary mm. they went away to the Altrincham. I think it's the Altrincham day. It, yeah, yeah, and, and and that's a great thing to do to be able to to not only just focus on you know the local, you know within the personal community, but the spreading the good word and being ambassadors of change. I suppose is in, in that instance, and and it is really pleasing to see you know a club in you know in the national league, uh, you know where you know perhaps. 
before the new ownership, the budgets were smaller, and mm. but still looking to kind of to push to push the standards of access and inclusion for disabled fans, and to be reflective of its community and providing opportunities. And and I think that that's you know it's something that is going to continue going forward and going from strength to strength. And I think that's something that you know we should when we come talk about access and inclusion, it's not really a fixed destination that we yes we've achieved it and we've ticked it. Yes. It's about it's about evolving. And you know if we look about you know what can we do to be more inclusive what can we do to engage with disabled people to make this environment a possibility and you know it goes back to the point before so often we focus on you know disabled people what can we do based on the barriers in society but there's also an education piece now with with some disabled people might not be aware that these provisions are available so this this is exciting really you know about being able to put a spotlight on the fact that there is a quiet zone for people who might have sensory, you know, might get sensory overload by, you know, watching the live game in, in the, among the crowds, that this is a possibility for somebody. You know, we see sensory rooms coming across, clubs across, you know, England and Wales, and, and I think we should celebrate this and, to, you know, to showcase this, to, to allow more disabled people to, to not be so socially isolated and excluded and to be connected with the community. So lots to unpack there across the entire episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, do give a like and subscribe and give us five stars on Spotify if, that, if you want. You can vote for us still in the Non-League Bible Awards. Those are in the description, I think, on Instagram, Twitter and their website. I think that's still open for another couple of weeks if you want to vote for us there. Uh, to you know, the fearless lads are also in there. Scarf Bagara, well, loads of other podcasts, brilliantly. But if you want to vote for us, that would be very kind. And I will see you again, hopefully with Rich. I'm not sure how long he's he's gone away for. He's getting a well earned break in. Hopefully, he enjoys me blabbering on here uh, in this episode today. But thank you again. Get your Wembley tickets soon. They will be out on April 10th or 11th, I believe. £25 for an adult. I think it's £10 for a concession. Let's pack it out on both occasions if we make it for the final. And just enjoy the ride. What a moment we're in. We've got people desperate to play Paul Mullen in a film. Who knows who will be next tweeting that and making the audition tape for that. Look, we're 12 games unbeaten. Will we go unbeaten until the end of the season? Will we go, you know, will we win every game? Who knows? Let me know at Rob Ryan Red, at Salt one at Rich Fay on Twitter. They are our accounts. And we will see you again next time. Come on, the boys. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans. <laughs> 